Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everyone. We have a wonderful show for you today. Uh, Today's show is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. You can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. This show has made the list of the 100 podcasts to listen to if you want to be smarter, wiser, and better on Inc.com. It's also on the list of the best small business podcasts on Fit Small Business. And I just found out yesterday that it made another list of the best small business podcasts on the planet. So it's like the 40 plus whatever. So um, we are really excited about that, and um, it's so great because it's so easy for me. It's because of the great guests that we have, and today we have one of those awesome guests. Our guest today is Deb Calvert. She is the author of Discover Questions, Get You Connected, and that book just made the HubSpot list of the top 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. So she is tremendously awesome. She's also the only girl on the list and the only self-published author on the list, which just, you know, goes to show you, girls, come on, get out there. Let's get some more girls on the list. She is a top 50 sales influencer, is president of People First Productivity Solutions. Deb is a UC Berkeley instructor teaching the popular sales development principles course and a former sales trainer director of a Fortune 500 media company. She speaks and writes about the Stop Selling and Start Leading movement and offers sales training, coaching, and consulting, as well as leadership development programs. She's certified as an executive and sales coach by the International Coach Federation and is a certified master of the Leadership Challenge. Deb has worked in every sector and in 14 countries to build leadership capacity, team effectiveness, and sales productivity with a people-first approach. And she recently recently started a webinar series um, called Sales Experts, which we were just talking about uh, before we started um, the show, that is uh, tremendously popular. It's taking off like a rocket, and uh, Deb is the um, puppet master behind the whole thing. So we'll ask her about that later, tell us a little more about that later. Uh, welcome to the show. Diane, Deb. thank you so much for, for having me in the show. And congratulations on all those awesome awards for, for your program. Every one of them, so well-deserved. 
Oh, well, thanks. Right back at you. It's been, it was sort of funny. You know, it's always funny for me to see that stuff and go, <laughs> wow, really? This is so awesome. So, and it really is because I, you know, you and all the guests I've had, they're so great. So I'm lucky. So I should be congratulating you and all of them for making the show so successful. Uh, so um, I want to really dive in here because I, I want to understand what's behind this movement that you have to stop selling and start leading. Yeah, well, so we all know buyers have changed dramatically. Selling has changed. Some of us see it in various shades and, and different ways, but something has changed undeniably. And so because I have this one foot in the sales world and this other foot in the leadership world, a couple of years ago, it occurred to me that although buyers weren't saying it in these terms, what it sounded like to me and all my field research and field coaching, what it started sounding like to me is that buyers wanted us to start doing the things that leaders do. So I accessed the Leadership Challenge. That's an evidence-based body of work. It goes back 30 years. It's worldwide. It's big very well documented and studied. And, and what they have in the Leadership Challenge are the 30 proven behaviors of leaders, the, the behaviors that cause people to willingly choose to follow them. So we conducted a study, giant study, 530 B2B buyers. Wow. And we asked them about those 30 behaviors. And sure enough, when we asked them about ideal frequency, when we asked them about would they be more likely to meet with, and we asked them would they be more likely to buy from sellers, in all cases, 100% of the 530 B2B buyers, representing all sectors, all of them said about each of the 30 behaviors that they would, in fact, like to see more frequency and that they would be more likely to meet with and more likely to buy from sellers who demonstrated every one of those leadership behaviors or any one of those leadership behaviors. Wow. Yeah, so if we stop our selling behaviors and replace them with leadership behaviors, voila, we're doing what buyers want us to do. Uh, that is so interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about what some of those behaviors are. And let's start with the sales behaviors that salespeople should stop doing. Yes. So I'll take those again directly from buyers. I've been conducting buyer research for about 20 years. It's, it's part of my book, but this is a whole new body of research. So let me just isolate what I'm talking about to these 530 since we gave them a, a forum. Uh, we, we also gave them open responses. And here's the number one thing without even being asked. It came out just organically. The thing that they want us to stop doing is doing things for them. They don't want us to go away and create insights and bring it back to them. They don't want us to create solutions in a vacuum. They don't want us to run loads of data and do all kinds of research. They want to be a part of that instead, which is more like what a leader would do. The second thing they want us to stop doing is breaking promises. And this one had the, <laughs> most, the most comments, maybe the most emphatic comments, I should say. Uh, we do. So, and they hold it against us. It hurts our credibility in selling. It breaks trust. If we are saying, hey, I'll call you back at nine o'clock on Thursday, and we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Little promises count. So we got to do what we say we will do. That acronym is do whizzy with. Do what we say we will do and, and don't break promises because it, it impairs our relationships. I, I, so I'm not surprised 
at all. Um, it, it's it's one of for me it's it's a really interesting thing I, because I don't understand how sellers cannot think about that. I mean, or or disregard it. Like I don't think sellers intentionally think, well, I'm not going to follow up or I'm not going to respond. I think it's that they don't really understand the importance of delivering what you say you're going to deliver, doing the things you're going to, you say you're going to do, that that's part of that initial trust building thing. And if you don't do it, you're making it really difficult for the buyer to trust you. We get inside our own heads and here's what happens. Yes, I said I would call you back at nine o'clock on Thursday, but I'm busy and, and I've got a lot of pressure on me. And by the way, calling you back means you might say no and you're so important and you're so busy too that pretty soon I have talked myself out of making that call or I've forgotten it if I wasn't diligent about writing it down. I've minimized the importance of you by minimizing the importance of the connection and the trust and the promise that I made. I've turned it into just a little, oh, I'm just a salesperson. I shouldn't bother them kind of a construct. Yeah. Boy, and they, and we, uh, like all salespeople do it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that. Okay, so what are the replacement behaviors? I mean, is, is it one for one? We should be pulling them into the discussion and we should be making sure that we're following through or are there other leadership um, behaviors that we should be adopting? Yes, if you don't mind, I think I'd like to answer sort of an elevated question first because okay. it occurs to me as we're talking about this um, before we talk about behaviors, it sort of starts with the mindset. So the biggest replacement of all is to stop thinking of yourself as a lowly salesperson, a stereotypical, I'm going to do something to someone, I'm, I'm not really going to be myself, I'm going to do these icky things, um, and, and I don't really want to do them. Let's just, let's just get out of that mindset entirely and ennobilize the I'm not sure that's a word, but now it is. We're going to make the sales profession <laughs> noble. <laughs> and you know, think of ourselves as leaders, leaders who can inspire and leaders who can model, leaders who can challenge and enable people to do things and to encourage them along the way. Uh, the very definition of leadership to me is, is so compelling. Again, from the, the Leadership Challenge, Jim Cousis and Barry Posner's work. Their definition of leadership is that it's the art of mobilizing others to want to struggle for shared aspirations. Wow. I know, right? So if we break it down, think about you're going to sell something to someone. First of all, it's an art. Sure, there are scientific things that you can use, but ultimately it's an art because it's human to human and, and you've got to be unique. Yeah. And secondly, what we're going to do is mobilize. We're going to get people into action and and, and we're going to mobilize them to want to struggle, not just to struggle, we're all doing that anyway, but to be so committed that they want to struggle, that they're going to go sell the idea to all the other decision influencers inside their organization, that they're going to find the budget, that they're going to do the hard work to set up the installation or whatever else is going to be required for the sale to take place. They're going to want to struggle to make it happen. And the reason they want to struggle is because there's a shared aspiration. We have elevated this from a transactional sale to something that's meaningful and relevant and inspiring to them so that they want to struggle for it. They're mobilized into action. 
that's the first thing that has to happen. If we're not thinking that way, then all the behaviors in the world are, are just going to be routine, rote, going through the motions, not, not very meaningful at all. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. I certainly wouldn't have been able to phrase it that way, but as you were explaining it, I was thinking, right, because we were just talking about this in a meeting this morning, that the, the hardest thing to do is take business away from an incumbent because the client doesn't necessarily want to go through the pain and aggravation of making a change. So there's got to be something compelling for them to do it. And that fits right in with what you're saying. They have to be moved to want to go through the pain. Yeah, it's good. They have to be stirred. And I know I see sellers make this mistake all the time. They, they figure if I just make it easy for the buyer then it'll be okay. Then they'll leave the competitor. It'll be so easy that all they have to do is, is agree. And yet they don't agree. Despite all the work the sellers unilaterally did to make it happen, the buyer still has never been inspired, right. mobilized into action. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. I, I imagine that's a hard concept for people to really wrap their head around. I think so. And particularly if you came into sales, it wasn't your first choice as a career. You have some of those hang-ups about, um, are you really doing something to someone or for someone? Are you watching yeah. the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross and other movies that, you know, <laughs> on Wall Street, do you think that's who you're supposed to be? <laughs> um, but you, to think of yourself as a leader, to think of yourself as making a difference, a positive difference for someone, and to then think about the behaviors that naturally flow from that, uh, that's, that feels good. That's a whole different career right there. That's for sure. That's for sure. I think people have to really embrace what real leadership is, because I could see people thinking, well, if I'm a leader, then I'm, then I'm pulling them to the solution that I know is best for them. And that, that is so not what they should be doing. Yes. That, you know, I mean, that could be, I could see people having difficulty with that. Yes. And then, you know, to the behaviors, your, your original question, there are 30 of them. So rather than take all day, uh, let me, <laughs> let me roll them up. Uh, the leadership challenge, this is why I, I turn to them because it's, First of all, so evidence-based and also because it's elegant in its, in its framework. Um, but there are five exemplary practices of leaders. Five is a lot easier than 30 to, to deal with. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> underneath each of the five practices, there are six behaviors. So it does get to a, a oh. behavioral level. But let me do this. Well, you and I will have a little fun here. Um, and I'll ask all your listeners to sort of play along at home. Okay. What I will do is very briefly describe the five practices. And then I'm going to ask you to think about which one you think that our buyers in the study rated as the most important out of the five, because we also asked them that question. Okay. Okay. So I'll take them just in the order that they always come in the leadership challenge for people who already know that. The first one is to model the way. And what it means to model the way is to true to yourself, to, uh, to know your own values, and then to align your actions with your values, to, to really represent your brand and yourself in a way that, that's true to 
what you profess you believe. Okay. Okay, the second one is the exemplary practice of leaders known as inspire a shared vision. This one is all about first envisioning this very exciting future and then being able to enlist others in that vision by appealing to those shared aspirations. Okay. The third one okay. is to challenge the process. That means innovating, um, experimenting, taking risks, learning from experiences, even failures, uh, just being able to challenge yourself and, and challenge others to try and do new things. Okay. Fourth on the list is called Enable Others to Act. This is about facilitating collaboration. It's um, strengthening others' self-determination and, and growing their capabilities. And then the last one is encouraging the heart, and that is appreciation, recognition, uh, celebrating shared victories, creating a sense of community. So in a nutshell, those are the five practices. Each one has six behaviors underneath it, but those are the things we know for sure proven that leaders do that causes others to willingly follow them. So out of those five, thanks for playing along, Diane, and everybody at home too, out of those five, just <laughs> take a guess. Which one do you think Byers said was the most important out of the five? Okay. Uh, so uh, this is hard. Um, <laughs> my initial thought was one, but I'm going to say five. So you're saying encourage the heart. Yes. Okay. Most sellers, and it's most by a lot, like 70 or 80% of sellers who I've asked this question to, say that it's inspire a shared vision. Oh. And it's not. Yours is higher on that list. Encourage the heart is number three out of the five. Inspire a shared vision is the fifth on the list, according to buyers. Sellers oh. are putting it number one. Buyers are putting it number five. And although buyers said all of these are important, the fact that we have overweighted it so much, because that's what looks like selling behaviors, inspiring, talking about the future. That's the stuff yeah. we already do. But buyers, by a lot, I mean, this is not a thin margin. It's by a big number. The number one thing buyers want us to do as leaders is the one called enable others to act. They want to collaborate really? with us. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's huge. They, it includes behaviors like, you know, here's one that's not a surprise. They want uh, to be treated with dignity and respect. Got it. That's the price of admission. That makes total sense to me. But that's number two. out of all, When we look at the, the 30 behaviors, that's the one that ranks the second highest. It's part of the Enable Others to Act. The number one behavior also from Enable Others to Act is that the seller fully answers my questions and provides information that is relevant, timely, and useful. And then next on Enable Others to Act, the seller involves me in the decisions that directly impact our job performance. So it's all of this inclusion, and it's the buyers wanting not to be have something delivered to them or done for them. It's that they want to participate in creating the insights, co-creating the insights, and also participate in creating exactly what they want. I, I call this the Chipotle effect. And... Um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, think about it, right? You go, to, you go to Chipotle, you go there for a reason, despite the E. coli outbreaks and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> you choose to go there and to spend more money for a burrito because it's your burrito. It's exactly yeah. 
the way that you want it. You are, in fact, influencing every step of that burrito assembly. And you That's like it. That's a great analogy. Yeah. We got to do that with our buyers, too. So this is, this is fascinating for me because um, – for me, what it's really saying is something that I've believed for a while, and that's that people don't want to be sold. They want to participate in uh, developing a solution to a problem that they're having. And what, and what they want is someone who's going to do that with them, not to them. Absolutely. Yes. Um, there is a wonderful body of work out there, uh, and it was a book written about 12 or 13 years ago about creating value. And the authors said this. They said, consumers will migrate to businesses that give them the opportunity to be participants in creating what they want. And if you think about not just Chipotle, Build-A-Bear Workshop, DIY at Home Depot, uh, Bass Pro, this is what we want. We want an experience, and our hands and minds are in that experience. Our hearts are even in it. It becomes our own. And that's how we have all of that buy-in to go through the pain, to be motivated to go through the pain, because we're part of the process. We're helping create the solution. You bet. We are invested at a deep uh, level. And how would we ever yeah. say no to something we're so invested in? It's our own. Right. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Okay, so... Um, I'm deciding whether I'm going to take a sponsor break now because then I, I want to ask you a, another question that um, I don't want to feel like I have to cut us off. So, okay. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio, uh, digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you list, uh, if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are The Secret of Peak Productivity by Tamara Miles and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Our guest today is Deb Calvert, and we are talking about uh, stop selling and start leading and what that really means and why it's so very important for us to embrace. And Deb, the the question that I wanted to ask you a minute ago was, um, you think there needs to be like an all new approach to needs assessment because of these changes in buyer preferences. So can you describe that for us? You bet. Um, the, the current needs assessment, your discovery process and your sales process, it's, it's diagnostic. You have a set of questions and you walk in and you use them to qualify and diagnose, narrow down the need so that you know what the symptoms are that you can solve and prescribe something back to your buyer. It's no different than walking into a doctor's office and being raced through the symptoms checklist and then getting the prescription written out as quickly as possible so you can go on your way. But buyers have been that 
there, they've done that, they're tired of that, it's not stimulating for them, it doesn't create any value for them, it feels very one-sided to them, hey, you're just asking me these questions so you can sell me something. And frankly, most sellers aren't even very good at it. They've, they've abandoned the art of, of asking great questions that can create connections and bonds, and instead they're asking their survey of questions, they're, they're taking a census, uh, it feels about that way, uh, so that they can race ahead to, to a solution and to making their pitch. We, have, we can't do diagnostic anymore. Buyers don't want it. It's a big part of why only 19% are rating time with sellers as valuable, meaning 81% of time with sellers, according to buyers, and this was a Forrester study, are saying that it's a waste of time to meet with a seller. It's why they work themselves 67% of the way through their buying process, according to the CEB, before they ever want to talk to us, and then they only want to talk about price. We got to change that, that we got to flip that. And the only way we can do it is by creating an all new experience, a participative, collaborative, engaging, value creating experience for the buyer. It's not a diagnostic needs assessment. What replaces that is a dialogic needs assessment. It's a dialogue. And this would be similar again to what leaders do. Leaders seek to understand, they seek to challenge your thinking. Uh, they, they work to elevate and, and expand what you're looking at. And in, all, in the process of doing that, they are inspiring you because you begin to see the, the clouds lifting and, you know, the dawn horizon is, is out there for you and, and it becomes very exciting. All of that requires asking questions in a different way and even asking some different kinds of questions. And sellers often fear questions because they're time-consuming, uh, they think, and because they have gotten negative responses in the past to their questions. So they abandon them instead of getting better at asking them, which is so unfortunate. Can you give me an example of a better question? Yeah, so Discover Questions, that the book I wrote, um, has eight yeah. purposes for asking questions. The one that I think is most impactful for me um, buyers like this, we, we know what buyers feel about all eight kinds of questions. But for me, I know a difference when I ask a V, that, that V stands for value question. A value question is the one that, that zooms in on what matters to you right now. So instead of saying just an outcome, you know, what are your goals this quarter? I, I'd ask you a value question. Out of all the things you're trying to accomplish right now, tell me what's most important and why. I'm going to get entirely different kinds of information. I'm going to get some emotional engagement from you. I'm going to know the number one priority, not just one of the goals that you might actually be a little bit distanced from, or you've already decided that it's, I'm not going to make that goal anyway, so I'm punting. So um, (laughs) I got to zoom in. I got to be very purposeful, and I want to know what you value, what's really important to you. So why don't I just go there first? That's tremendous. Yeah, now we have a dialogue. Yeah. Now, um, so so I'm I'm loving this, and I love the whole idea of of a dialogue as opposed to um, an interrogation. Um, But I want to ask you. uh, This is a question based on something you just said about you know salespeople aren't good at it anyway, so they should just stop doing it. You know the whole interrogation thing. How? 
maybe you can't, but how do you get someone who, uh, how do you get someone to, to really engage in a conversational way? And I mean the seller, not the buyer. How do you get a salesperson to really just, um, and I'm going to say relax. Like, you know, I talk about this all the time and I say, just, don't go in with this idea of selling. Just go in with an idea of learning. But I, like I still find people have a hard time with that. So are, are there, I mean, you know, do you have insights into that? Yeah, I, I think you're, I, I completely agree with your idea to be curious and open to learning. There's, there's that, and it's about the seller's intent. So just like we said earlier, mindset about being a leader instead of a seller, What's your intent? Is your intent to help someone and to connect with that person? Or is your intent to, to hurry so that you can go on and make the next sale? Unfortunately, we sometimes lose that human piece, and when we do, it all falls apart. That, that's the, the last thing you want to do is give that up if, in fact, you want to make sales. So the overfocus on selling drives the wrong behaviors, <laughs> limits the opportunity to connect and only ensures that you don't sell anything. Right. <laughs> I love the way you just put yeah. that. <laughs> well, to your question though, how do you get a seller to make this shift? Yeah. It, it's a choice. All behaviors are choices and I can show sellers lots of data. I can do plenty of role play in a, in a workshop with them. Um, I can have them do all the activities in the third section of my book and yet some are still so focused on what they believe to be their sales job and their sales persona that it's somewhat hopeless. And, and what's interesting to me is that we so often uh, hire for those characteristics that look like the, I'm, I'm using air quotes here, the classic salesperson. We, we look for that. And yes, short term, sometimes, it does make some sales, but it doesn't make relationships. It doesn't create loyalty, yeah. and it doesn't represent your brand or your company well at all. Here, here. Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad that you just said that because I don't think business owners or uh, sales managers or I don't think they're realizing that the part of the problem with that is the way the way it impacts your reputation out there in the world, you know, that person's going to leave and they're going to go someplace else. And it's your company that people are going to remember in not a great way. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. But when sellers do this, when they take a, a, a breath and decide to pause and think about their reactions and the reactions that they're getting from buyers, and when they're willing to make the shift, and, and I can almost see it. Sometimes I'll talk to a group of salespeople about stop selling and start leading, and I can see their shoulders start to go back, and you know, they, they have this swagger that comes back into their step a little bit because just the idea, I'm a leader, is, is very empowering. Uh, and it, it, it levels the playing field a bit in this age of empowered buyers. But when they actually do this, when they start choosing leadership behaviors, and they set aside those stereotypical sales behaviors that aren't working, it does make a difference. And buyers notice it and comment on it. And of course, that fuels the seller to keep doing more of it. And you can see some pretty dramatic turnarounds in, in a short time just by writing 
the intent and helping the seller to see themselves in a in a whole new way. Yeah, that. Thank you, thank you. I, I think that's really helpful, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation because so many people need to really listen. You know, not just hear this, but really listen to the value of that that the world really has changed, and they know it's changed but they haven't necessarily changed with it. And so it, it's, it has such a dramatic impact on your results when you make this shift that why not give it a shot? You know, it sort of is one of those things with um, why not try it? You know, what have you got to lose? What you're doing isn't working. So why don't you give this six months and see what happens at the end of it? Yeah, I'd say just give it six sales calls. You'll be shocked at, yeah. at the way buyers respond. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think about um, title? Like, so some people say leadership requires authority, you know, it requires a title. And other people say that it's just a characteristic, you know, that, some people are born with it. Some people can learn it, whatever. You're really saying that it's something any seller can do at any time, really. I mean, just like today, a, a seller who things I'm working for can change what they're doing. Um, do they need you, – you just said it a minute ago about when you start talking about leading, they start standing up straighter and, and feeling better. Um is that what you're talking about with just mindset, that, that when our mindset's in the right place, a lot of the trappings don't matter, the, you know, sort of the smaller things attached to it don't matter because if we're feeling it, we're um, radiating it? Yeah, I'm actually going to break that down into three questions because you brought up three really important things there. Okay. The first one, this notion of leadership, our, our leaders – naturally born or are leaders made? Great question. I hear it often. I will let you in on a little secret. It's true that every leader that has ever been was in fact born. That's the secret. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> and every leader who's ever been has also been self-made to some extent. Uh, that leader is a leader because he or she has chosen to behave in certain ways. He has made or she has made decisions and taken steps and looked at a bigger picture and thought about other people who were involved. These are all deliberate choices. Leadership is not accidental, but it's also not merely born. So we don't right. get to let anybody off the hook here. If you don't have yeah. what you perceive to be those characteristics, <laughs> you can you absolutely can adapt behaviors. Behaviors are simple. They're just choices. And then you brought up title. So thinking sort of in the typical org chart, we've got the senior leadership team, then we have the mid-level management team, and then we have the frontline contributors. I, I, I don't really buy into those terminologies. Um, at the top, those are the executives or the senior most managers. They may or may not be leaders. And at the right. front line, you've got people who don't have anybody who directly reports to them, 
but they're very influential and others choose to watch what they do and follow their lead. So to me, leadership can happen at any level. Leadership is everyone's business, Kuzis and Posner would say. And, and I absolutely agree with that because we're all leading at different times in different ways, either accidentally or on purpose. So we make the choice to lead on purpose where we want to take people with us to go. And then finally, the trappings that, that you mentioned, right? Is it, do we need to think about the title? Do we need to think about the, the characteristics? Do we need to get all worried about those things? My answer is no. To be aware and conscious of the excuses or the pitfalls you might accidentally buy into, yes. But then just to understand that it, it, you make a difference. You, you already are a leader. Somebody somewhere is paying attention to what you're doing. Somebody somewhere is following your lead. So the, the main thing is, are, are you making the difference? Yeah. Or are you uh, uh, somebody, a seller, leader, call yourself whatever you will, are, are you taking people a different direction from where you want them to go? Or in the case of sellers and buyers, are you taking them nowhere at all because you aren't leveraging your leadership abilities? Wow, thanks. Uh, it, it's so, um, I just, I love everything you said. I, and I agree completely, I think. People are leaders whether they realize they are or not. And I really liked what you said in the first part of that answer, that it doesn't matter where you are on the org chart, because you're right, there's people at the top of organizations who are not leaders at all. They don't mm -hmm. exhibit leadership skills. They, it's, you know, it's a title and that's it. So it, it and the other thing that I really, and I loved it because you said it before and then you said it again and I went, this, it for me is one of the most important points of this that it's a choice, that behavior is a choice, that you are in control of this and you get to decide and you're going to have the consequences of the decisions that you make. So, it, you know, it, the great thing is that you have the power to control yes. the results, right? Exactly. You've got it. Wow. So, so talk to me some about what this has to do with customer experience, because customer experience is a pretty big thing these days. You know, everybody's, it's like the buzzword. Everyone's talking about it. How does this impact, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, but directly to the, the point of customer experience, how does a seller behaving as a leader impact the customer experience? Yeah, great question. Um, I think we know the term customer experience best from the B2C space because so many retailers and online companies are, doing a good job of paying attention to our experience. And, and that's defined. The customer experience is, is defined as every single touch point we have, online, phone, in person, whatever it might be with every part of that business. So they're shoring up the customer experience to try to make sure that, that we feel good about doing business with them. In B2B, we're, we're perhaps a little bit behind, and, and we shouldn't be, because what research tells us, and this comes from MIT, uh, the Sloan Management Review, it, it tells us that where value creation happens, I'm not talking inherent product value, I'm not talking about added value, deal sweeteners that you put in, but created value that's unique and in the moment between the buyer and the seller, value creation only happens in the experience of a specific consumer. 
and the individual consumer is having that experience, this event that, that triggers something where they can derive personal meaning from it. So the co-creation of insights, brainstorming for ideas, doing your Chipotle burrito, whatever that looks like in your B2B space, right? this is what it really means to have the customer have a pleasurable, and that includes an emotional experience with you, one that's memorable because it's relevant and they derive personal meaning from it and they want more of it. I mean, that, that, that term retail therapy, that comes from the fact yeah. that it comes from the fact that shopping feels good. It triggers euphoria. It lights up the brain in a certain way. And customer experience goes after that, uh, making the, the experience one that is going to register. We, we treat so much as, as transactional instead of experiential. And it diminishes the connection. Yeah, that... that so uh, when you were talking about that, I was thinking... Uh, about an experience that I had at a hotel. Um, I decided to stay in a hotel overnight because I was speaking the next morning really early in, in the city. I didn't want to have to get up and leave in the middle of the night. So I, you know, go into the They have no idea who I am. You know, it's, they don't know that I'm going to speak or anything, but I walk in, the guy at the counter, you know, how are you? You know, blah, 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 whatever. And then he says, when he goes to give me my key, he says, okay, I, your room is on the, other side of the hall away from the freeway and I put your room halfway down the hall so you'd be away from the elevators hmm. and I thought this is the nicest guy I've ever met yeah <laughs> I mean, what you know I've never done a preference thing you know preference thought I've never complained I don't think I've ever stayed in that hotel so like I've never said anything he just decided that this would be you know an enjoyable experience for me and he did it and he was you know, the, he didn't ask anyone's permission to do it. He just did it. And it meant so much to me that I rave about it. I tell people about it. I stayed there again because I just knew I was going to have a good experience. Oh, we should add something to that because he did all those things right. But he did one more thing that sellers often forget to do. And that's he, he called it out. He could have just handed you that room key without telling you why that room was going to be so pleasurable for you. But the fact that he pointed it out and he made it about you, that's where the magic happened. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's right. Without and being braggadocious. If I'd want it. You, you, right. that, that's exactly right. You just, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. But there's a lot of things we do well and we don't take credit for them. So it's not that we have to brag or look for pats on the back, but we should. Make sure that our customers understand what we are doing for them and, and with them to, to enable them, especially. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because that's what made the difference. I wouldn't have noticed where my room was. I wouldn't have made the connection that it was on the other side of the hall from the highway. I wouldn't have made the connection that it was away from the elevator. None of that would have connected with me. So it just would have been another stay in another hotel, mm -hmm. you know. Would have been nice, and, but it wouldn't have been spectacular. And even if you had a good night's sleep, you would have just attributed it to, hey, I happen to have a good night's sleep, as opposed to what yep. they did for you. Yep. Yep. That, that's exactly right. That's right. And I'll tell you another interesting experience. It's always in hotels. <laughs> I, I was in a hotel, and we were leaving to go to dinner, and it was raining. And I said, at the desk, they said, you know, have a nice 
dinner and I said, do you guys know if it's going to be raining tomorrow? Because we were going to be outside. And they said, or, you know, do you know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow? And they said, no, but when you get back, we'll have it for you. And we went to dinner and we came back and they handed me the weather report. Wow. I mean, they didn't just tell it to me. They handed me, they like went on weather.com, printed it out and handed it to me. I just thought, well, thank you. (laughs) That's sort of crazy. Yeah. But it, it was definitely, you know, something that elevated my experience with them. You know, and it wasn't a big deal for them, right? It's not even a big thing, but it really makes a difference. Yeah, they thought about what they would want in your shoes, and they provided something that that was meaningful to you. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is really great. I, I really, I'm just so glad we're having this conversation because things really have changed, and I think a lot of salespeople are struggling with trying to figure out why they're not connecting, you know, why these practices that maybe worked 20 years ago just, you know, are, are not hitting uh, a chord these days. So this is really invaluable. Well, let me take uh, so it a step you. further. Yeah, let me sure. take it a step further. I'm toying with an idea. I'd actually like to get your thoughts about it. Okay. We've had lots of good, good stuff. We've had challenger selling, insight selling, solution selling, collaborative selling, you name it. There are many great programs out there, lots of good bodies of work, good books. And yet, even with all of those different, sometimes competing and colliding schools of thought, things like you can't have relationship selling and challenger selling at the same time being what people perceive to be true, I think that what we're talking about here, stop selling and start leading, and these 30 behaviors, I actually think they umbrella the best of all of those other programs because it's not that buyers want any one thing. They don't want to be challenged only or have relationships only or get insights from the seller or even collaborations with the seller only. They want all these things, and I, and I see this as a way that we can start to think about how to, to marry together these other bodies of work that have emerged. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I, I think that's really interesting. I, because I, um, I agree with you, it's this morning in the meeting that I was in and we were talking about qualifying questions and this one guy um, is a really good salesperson. He's young and he's just a really good salesperson. And so he, he was sharing some of the questions he asked and things that he does. And he went back and forth between just going in and having a conversation to learn more about what's going on there and using the challenger sales method. It was funny. I, I was like looking at him like, wow, really? And, and just, and he does it naturally because he's, you know, he's good at all that, but you're right. It's not one or the other. And, and with, now that I'm thinking through what you said, you know, people like read the book and think this is the one way, right? This is the one way to go sell. And then and it doesn't not. work, and they wonder why. And, and it's just right. they have all the tools in their tool belt. Right. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's very interesting. And I could, you could be on to something there. I don't know. That's what buyers seem to be telling us. Yeah. I've gotten into the habit of saying, stop selling. Like, I do this whole, no, there's no sales, there's no selling in sales. Hmm. And and I do 
like, you know, programs on it. And I'll say, you can't sell anybody anything. You can only match your solution to their problem. So just stop thinking about selling because the thinking about selling is totally screwing you up. I agree. You know, because you make decisions for all the wrong reasons or you say things, you know, just the whole path you go down is in totally the wrong place. And we've even, because it's gone to this degree, right? have you ever looked at, at business cards? The people who sell, that's their job have every title imaginable under the sun that doesn't have the word sales in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because yeah. we have this negative perception of selling. So because no of doubt. doing that's all the wrong right. things. Yeah. That's right. Right. Exactly. And that's what, and isn't that what small business owners will say? I don't want to be seen as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be right. Yep. And, okay. I always say, thank God, you know, so let's talk about that. Cause right on, you know, don't do that. And then they'll say, this is my favorite one. It's one of my favorites. Someone will say, um, how do I convince them that my widget is really great for them? And my response is always, you can't. So don't. It's not about convincing them. If you've got the solution to their problem, they will buy it from you. Mm-hmm. But you first have to get there. You have to get to a good enough relationship with them or a good enough conversation with them or, you know, whatever it is that you both are walking down the same road. Absolutely. It's, it's like that old saying, what is it? Nobody, nobody in the world wants a drill, but sometimes there are people who want a hole. So the drill is the means yeah. to the end. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Let's talk about that hole you want. Don't talk about the right. drill. Yeah. Right. Right. What are you hoping to accomplish? Like, I, I love what, what, you know, you say, what, you know, what is the, of all the things that you've got going on, what is the one thing that, that rests heaviest on your mind or is the one that you're focused on the most? Because that's the one they're thinking about. That's the one they're going to pay attention to. And that's, that's the, the one they're going to buy matters. something for. Yes. Right. Exactly. Oh, well, you know, we get it. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about this all day. Yeah, we just have to go out and evangelize it more, get people to join exactly. the Exactly. That's exactly right. I love a good movement. Um, so, oh, God, this is just really, really so great. So tell my listeners um, about sales experts. Tell them how they can get the book and, you know, everything else about you, how they get in touch with you, just, you know, the whole shoot and match, if you would, please. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll try to limit it to three things so it's not too obnoxious. Um, so the, the movement to stop selling and start leading, it's ongoing, lots of research, articles, infographics, all sorts of stuff. And I would like to invite your, your listeners to come and check that out and to stay in touch with it. More importantly, though, I'd like to invite them to participate in the research. We've got the buyer side. Step two is we're getting some seller side response. And there's a a survey that's available on the, the webpage, which I'll mention in a moment. Uh, the survey, all we're asking people to do is tell us your own personal best in selling, whether you call yourself a salesperson or not. If you own a business, you're selling something. So, so describe yeah. to us, give us a story about your own personal best. And we're doing prize giveaways, Diane. People can win up to things like a $500 travel voucher. It's pretty cool. So come on wow. over to, to see the, the research and then to participate in it too. To find that, they go to my website, which is peoplefirstps.com. 
Company name is People First Productivity Solutions. So the first two words are all the way spelled out, People First. And at the end is PS, like you'd put at the end of an old school letter, People First PS dot com backslash stop selling start leading those have dashes in between them or you can just do a google search we're about the only thing out there that's called stop selling start leading so you'll find it cool uh, do the survey um the second thing that comes out of that actually it preceded it but it does dovetail nicely is the discover questions get you connected book uh, we have a couple versions of that book for uh, different segments and there's more to come with that. It's all buyer research-based as well, and it's what will help you with getting to the dialogic needs assessment, but just being able to ask better questions. Eight different purposes for asking questions. That's on Amazon.com. Discover questions to get you connected. And then the newest thing that's happening, as you said, and I'm so glad you're a part of it too, is the Sales Experts Channel. The mission of the Sales Experts Channel is to offer educational content for sales managers and sales professionals and anyone who sells. And we're doing that in a collaborative community. It's staffed by 63 sales authors, speakers, coaches, trainers, and thought leaders from around the world. We're all in one place on Bright Talk. We have a webinar channel. And every day, practically, there's, there's new, sometimes more than one webinar that's produced. On virtually any sales topic you can think of so you can come to live sessions they're also available on demand it's truly like a TV channel for anybody who's interested in increasing their selling abilities and there are, are always tools attachments so it's not just the webinar you can get lots of stuff content that, that can help you with the skills that the webinar is teaching on and then hop on over to LinkedIn because we also have a group there that's a pure discussion group and if you have questions because you went to an on-demand, but you still want to talk to that sales expert, you can do it on the LinkedIn channel. So we have this ongoing dialogue. Our mission is really just to educate and inspire and, and help people uh, to improve their selling skills. So that's, those are the three things I have going on. And uh, it's New Year 2017. <laughs> I'm pretty charged up about all three. Just a little bit going on, not, not a whole lot. Well, I, I, you know, so thank you so much for asking me to be involved in the Sales Experts um, webinar series. I'm loving it. It's so much fun um, and easy, and the people really participate. You know, the, the attendees, they ask questions, they, you know, so it, it's actually different from a lot of webinars that I've done where I feel like I'm talking to space, you know, to like nobody, but you can tell that people are there and they're engaged in, in the conversation. So, um, I highly recommend that there's really some really just incredible content and, as Deb said, a real variety, which is great because you can, you know, hear thing about like the same topic but different ways. And so you get to find the things that really resonate with you. Um, the book, a must read, head on over to Amazon and get Deb's book, Discover Questions, Get You Connected, um, and uh, go to her website and sign up for the um, survey, answer it, you know, take, do, do the questions and maybe you'll win something. And then you have to let me know if you did. So I can even promote that even more. So anyway, Deb, uh, thank you. I am forever grateful um, for you being with us today. I also want to thank my listeners because uh, without you, I don't think we'd have a podcast. I would like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. 
please go and get your free trial and free audiobook by going to audible.com, audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth and signing up for that free trial. Uh, please also, if you are so inclined, go to iTunes and subscribe to the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast. If you uh, feel like it, you could give it a rating and a review. I would be grateful for that. It just helps us get more exposure through iTunes and be able to get this information out to more and more professionals so they can be doing more and more great things. So thank you all. Have a wonderful um, week or two. Hopefully you will um, tune in again to another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.